some announcements to cover with you guys. Uh, pray for Florida. It's a big deal what's going on down there. The cleanup is going to take years. The damage is so severe. Ranking is one of the most severe um, uh, impacts of any hurricane in a long, long time. So if you want to be a part of that, contact Samaritan's Purse and you can join that. Hey, ways you can serve at Christ Church um, cleaning already. Kirby was here this morning. Uh, David, Michael, others. Thank you so much. When you vacuum and clean, do all that stuff, it means so much to us. Thank you. Um, we have a great commandment, a great commission. And we have a great gifting, the gifting of the Spirit, to do the work. And I appreciate you guys serving with me. Um, committee groups, we've got new stuff happening at Christ Church. So Aaron and Philip will be starting a new one. That's their cell phone number. Contact them and say, hey, we're interested in being a part of a new community group. And they can uh, get you started on that one. So I want to remind you, I, I gave a very, very serious teaching a few Sundays ago about thinking biblically and thinking critically and what that means to have a good a good sense of how you appreciate uh, how you approach and how you appreciate the process of discerning good from bad right from wrong these kinds of things um, the general election is coming up November 7 or number eight number eight these are some of the critical issues that are on that if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, your politic should integrate with your theology. Is that fair? Am I being off the wall on that? No, of course not. I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm telling you to vote and think biblically. Otherwise, we fail to maintain a biblical worldview. You can't have one view here, and then when you leave this place, have a totally different worldview. They have to integrate, otherwise we're hypocrites, right? So I'm challenging you to think critically and biblically on these, these issues so that when you vote, you're literally changing culture. You're impacting culture. And you say, Chris, you know, Jesus didn't attack Rome. Paul didn't attack Rome. Okay, got it. But Rome was also ruled by an emperor, not a democracy with a voting system. We can impact culture. And my challenge is to all of us is to think critically and biblically about uh, our voting processes here. So um, <clears throat> Samaritan's Purse, they lead out in Operation Christmas Child. That's getting geared up. And the giving week is going to be in November. Something Lisa and I do that makes it easier for us, we're pretty busy people, is you can go to their website and you can just give a $25 gift and they've got toys already picked. They'll pack them, they'll get them organized and get them on to the, uh, the country um, uh, intended. And it's just it's an easy way to do it. So that's something to think about uh, November 14 to 21. You'll hear more from Kayla Derrick about that. Uh, so last Sunday we focused on um, how a child thinks and that in the New Testament, children are considered to be uh, role models of the kingdom, but they're also considered to be role models you don't want to to emulate you know there's good references to kids there's bad references to kids and um it was it was an important teaching and here's one of the things that we we concluded of all the uses of the term child pity on in the new testament it kind of sums up as this there are adults who are born again and they now are children of god there are adults 
who have a simple, vulnerable, childlike faith. And there are adults who have an immature faith. They're like children who need to grow up. But they're still the children of God. The bad sense of it is you have those who are children of the world, children of the devil, uh, or even what Paul says, they're children of wrath, destined for the wrath of God. And so uh, bottom line is in Christ, we need to grow up. And that's why Paul wrote those brilliant words in 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. I did away with childish things. That's a big deal. Um, a quick comment, and I want to pray. Uh, how do toddlers get attention? We're, 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 we're a go live now. How do toddlers get attention? What do toddlers do to cope with the stress of, like, for example, um, I have a dirty diaper. I mean, not me right now. I'm, I'm talking about the toddler, all right? Thank you. I'm not that old, uh, although I'm closing it. But so the toddler's got a dirty diaper, and it stings or burns or feels nasty, and they need to vocalize. What do they do? They what? Scream. You've got screamers? Was Carrie a screamer? So they scream. What else do they do? What's that? Tantrums. I love that word. Isn't it a great word? All right, they scream, they do tantrums. What else does a toddler do? What's that? Cry. Cry, scream, tantrum, cry. Squirm. Squirm. Yeah, their body movements, you know, they, they can, yeah. All right, so do you understand that, would you consider that a normal childlike behavior? Right? And that from, from the, you know, from the, parents' perspective and even the psychologist's perspective, that's considered a normal childlike behavior, right? Okay. You ready for a little bit of fun here just for a second? Do you know any adults who scream? (laughs) Who cry? Who who do body motions? (laughs) You know, who who, who have third temper tantrums? When I became a man, I, does Janice do that, Bruce? She's going to say you're getting a little personal. And, when we had, you know, and I'm still in introduction, man. Can you imagine what's coming? So, yeah, when I became a man, I did away with childish things. So, quick therapist comment. One of the signs that someone is not doing well is when they hold on to childlike behaviors to get what they want and they pull those into the adult world and they're still engaging those same behaviors that is not a good sign okay people that is not good and it's really really good to use adult tools or means and reasonings by which we can say hey i am uh lisa and i do this uh lisa's lisa's amazing can i just say she's amazing you know, we, we, we're doing date nights, and our dating life has really taken an upgrade. <laughs> Since Rebecca and Stephen and the kids have moved in, Lisa and I are going on more dates. It's just, it's, we are so in love. It's really, it's so romantic. I may have a bad day, and I'll say, hey, babe, I, I need to win. And that's sometimes my code language. I'll say, hey, I need to win. I need to pick the restaurant tonight. 
And she goes, sure. And, and it, that normally means I want steak, Justin, you know, something like that. So um, as opposed to my sitting in the car, pounding on the steering wheel, you always pick the restaurant. I never pick, oh, you know. That would be a toddler-like behavior being retained in an adult. And you'd say, that is not good. There's other ways to handle it. For example, ask. Just say, hey, babe, I need a win. Can I, can I pick the restaurant? Sure, what do you want? I want to stay. Okay, great, let's go to, let's go to Longhorn or whatever it's going to be. So just a reminder that we as adults who claim to follow Jesus, right? We name the name. Paul says it, you name the name of Jesus. That you need to be engaging in adult behaviors that demonstrate you're really living out your faith and doing away with childish things. So, all right, um, I want to pray and ask God's favor. Um, Lord, I love you and I thank you so much. Um, right now, Abba Father, I, you know, I think I'm the neediest person in the room. And so asking your grace and blessing on me and ask that in your mercy that you would um, accomplish the good things that you have for us, regardless of uh, our scars, our regrets, and the battles we face, and, and the, the, the pain that we bring into the room, and, and our joys and our fears, um, all those things. Thank you that you, you will not leave us or forsake us, and that nothing will separate us from your love. I need you right now. And thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. I want you to turn there. Um, I, I, <laughs> I had a, you know, I, I, I spent a lot, of, a lot of time yesterday seeking the Lord, reading through Scripture. Lord, what do you, what do you want? What needs to happen on Sunday? And I'm getting nothing, like radio silence from the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh. And, and so I go, Lisa, what do you think we need to t- I need to teach you on Sunday? Child? I don't know. Between you and God, you know, what's that? You know? And uh, I thought Becca would know. Becca, you know, Becca, Becca something. So, so um, well, Catherine is so sweet. Is Catherine here? There's Catherine. Hello, love. What a love. Catherine goes, well, Daddy, what about Christ's team? And I go, yeah, yeah, that's good, So. Um, so I wrestled and, and wrestled and prayed and um, wow, did I read scripture yesterday. And so, uh, and then I'm sitting there and done. It's like, okay, there you go. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're good to go. So I want everyone to turn to Second Corinthians 5. And this is what the Holy Spirit has given me to give to you. And I share this with you out of the deepest sense of peace. Verse 11, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade people. But we are well known to God. And I hope that we are also well known to your consciences. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. Wow. For if we have lost our minds, 
it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh. Even though we have known Christ by the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, or specifically, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their wrongdoings against them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. All right, let's walk through that. It's amazing. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade people, but we're well known to God, and I hope that we are also well known to your consciences or in your conscience. A couple things about fear. Fear is one of the most primal human instincts that we have. It's built in, it is hardwired into our system, our neurological system, our brains, our, all the vital organs, fight and flight systems. Fear is critical. Fear drives us to avoid something or drives us toward something, right? I'm afraid of the tornado, so I run to the safe room. Or I am afraid that the the 18 pound spider that's on my deck might hurt my grandchild. And so I have to uh, reach deep into my resources of manhood and kill the beast so that it doesn't hurt my grandchildren. Fear causes us to avoid something and causes us to seek after something. Paul says, I know the fear of the Lord. Well, what, how is fear pushing Paul at that point? Is fear coming up behind him, chasing him, so Paul's running away from the bad thing? Or there's a good thing, and Paul is driven by a fear response to run to the safe place. I think Paul is running to the safe place, knowing the fear of God, knowing what's coming. Knowing what's coming, we persuade people. Have you seen the video footage or some of the the shots of, of Florida? The damage in Miami, right? The before and after shots. Really kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah. Do you realize there were warnings issued, right? 
And there are people that were, you know, they, they, you stockpile plywood. You know that, don't you? You stockpile. If you're in Florida, if you're in the hurricane zone, you stockpile plywood because you're, gonna, you're just going to screw that, those big sheets all over your windows, everything to try to seal up that house from the damage that's coming. They were warned in advance. And one of the worst hurricane systems on record just wipes out that end of Florida. There was a warning, knowing the fear of the Lord, warning, storm warning, judgment is coming. Paul says, that motivates me to have really, really important conversations with people. In fact, I'm doing my best to persuade these people. And I want you to know that I'm doing it with a clear conscience. The word conscience, no surprise, your sense of self. And how you believe you were seen by somebody else. Um, Paul writes in Acts 24, 16. It's a beautiful verse. Paul says, I do my best to have a clear conscience with God and with people. Man, what a commitment to have a clear conscience with God and with people. To be that kind of person. Paul says, hey, we're not bragging. We're not commending ourselves. But we're giving you a chance to brag on us. To be proud of us. Um, because we want you to have an answer for those. This is really interesting. Verse 12, who take pride in appearance and not in heart. Pride in appearance and not in heart. John 7, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you judge by outward appearance. It's all fake. It's all fake. Um, have, you ever, have you guys ever had a conversation with someone Who's, who gets caught up in the Instagram persona, the social media persona, and, and the clothes, the hair, your home, your car, all of it, and the ability to capture a snapshot that somehow embodies that your life is real. And what is it about a snapshot of a Bible and a cup of coffee next to it? And you take that shot, and it somehow means... He's seeking after God. Look, there's coffee next to his Bible. Oh, he must walk with the Savior. What's the matter? But why do we do that? We, I mean, and we think it's real. <laughs> you know, well, it's because it thumps a little emotional thing inside of us. And we, we start making these associations that a really cool photo, photograph of a marked up Bible um, and by the way, what's up with girls in color-coded marked up Bibles? That's a whole other issue. It's a whole other issue. Like all the verses that, these are orange. These are the orange verses, you know. These are the blue verses, you know. Girls, they're amazing. And, and yeah, you get the idea. So appearance, right? This almost Instagram persona. Paul says, uh-uh. No, 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 no. That's kind of like a child behavior, childhood behavior. We're, we're going to grow up. We're not going to get caught up in taking pride in appearance and not getting at the heart. First Samuel 16, 7, when Samuel went to get the new king of Israel because Saul was a complete failure and, and Samuel found the boys of Jesse. And you remember the story that Jesse was so ashamed of his youngest son, he wouldn't even take him out and show him, display him to to the prophet, the greatest prophet Israel ever had, the prophet Elijah. And at that moment, Elijah says to Jesse, look, 
God sees not as man sees. Man sees the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Don't even consider his stature or his ruddy appearance. Look at, God looks at the heart. Um, can I ask with all the tenderness inside of me that I can, if God looked at your heart, what would he find? If God looked inside of you, what would he find? If we could move past the appearances and the clothes and all the stuff and the Instagram persona and God looked at your heart, what would he see? You will be judged by what's in your heart and not the cool outfit that you're wearing. It's going to be your heart. There are those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. Paul says, for if we have lost our minds, it's for the sake of God. But if we're sound in our mind, it's for your sake. Let me give you a little bit of Greek. The Greek is actually fascinating on out of mind. It literally can be translated to exit your mind. Like if this platform is the mind and I step off the platform, I'm out of my mind. I've exited my mind is what Paul is saying. Hey, if, if we seem to be insane, if we seem crazy, or if we seem that we are philosophically irresponsible, we're not using our brains, we're doing it because God is not like people, and God's ways are higher than our ways, and so when you chase after God, the world might think you're crazy. When you go the way of, with the way of God, the world will think you're crazy. And Paul is willing to step out of rationalism from a worldly point of view for the sake of God. But when it comes to caring for the people that he loves, Paul says, I'm going to step in my mind and I'm going to give you the best that my mind has. And I'm going to show you the rationality and the logic of faith. And he says this, this is the big rational thing for the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. Let's talk about control. So there are two dynamics in the human mind that have profound power, fear and control, right? When you're radically afraid, what is the one thing you got to have to deal to mitigate the fear? What do you got to have? You got to have control, right? So if the tornado's coming... And we're hearing that it's one of the worst ones ever to come down Tornado Alley. And I just happen to live there. If I have control and I can step out and, and say to the tornado, up, off with you, go, go away. Utter control. Is the tornado a problem? Well, of course not. Because they have supreme control. You get the idea. When we experience fear we reflexively go for control. All right? You ready? Pop quiz. What are some ways little children try to gain control in situations? Mine. <laughs> mine. Temper tantrums. Temper tantrums. Mine. Mine. And I could keep saying that. Mine. Yeah. Or they grab, they'll hit. What else will they do? What's that? Patty face? No. They wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, patty face. With puppy dog eyes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Evelyn Margot can stick that bottom lip out a long way. I'm just telling you. Yep. So what are some other ways that you grab control when you're scared? What are some other things that we do? What's that? Lying. Lying? Oh, absolutely. Man, a well-timed lie can get you out of some serious trouble. <laughs> it was her. It was my sister. You know, sure. We lie. Anger. 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 Yeah. Yeah, anger really is, is pretty powerful because if you can, if you, if you have a fear problem, the big monster's coming your way and you have fear by getting angry, you can elicit fear in others and therefore gain control. Ignore it. Ignore it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Ignore it. It goes away. That always works. Chris, I tend to go kind of get closer to the relationships I feel trusted and strong in. <clears throat> yes. And there you go. That's really what Paul would ask us to do. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jockeying for position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are very childish ways of handing adult pressures, adult responsibility. Paul says, again, for those who are born again, that the controlling force in your life, hello, Chris Perry, hello, Christchurch, the controlling force in my life should be the love of Jesus. It changes everything. Absolutely changes everything. For the love of Christ controls us. Can you imagine having a, a relationship with someone where they were controlled by the love of Christ? What that would be like? Pop quiz. What do you think? How would you describe relating to someone who was submitted to and controlled by the love of Jesus? What kind of a person would they be? That would be the most perfect person or the most horrible person. Your perception. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you're a wolf, the shepherd is really bad. Exactly. Janice, what do you think? To relate to someone who is filled with and controlled by the love of Christ, what would that be like? Very peaceful. Peaceful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? I think they draw people to. Yeah, very attractive. Yeah, you, yeah. I want to hang out with that kind of person. Sure. Anybody else? Secure, yep. What's that? Trustworthy, yeah, yeah. All those good things, yeah. Paul said the love of Jesus was the controlling force in his life, in his mission team. And he concluded that that was real because Jesus died for all of us and so therefore all of us died. And he died for all of us so that those who would live would no longer live for themselves, but they'd live for him who died and rose on their behalf. That's how the love of Christ becomes real to Paul. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh. We will not fall prey to the Instagram persona. From now on, we will no longer recognize Anyone by the flesh, even though we have known Christ by the flesh. Yet now we know him in this way no longer. That's really curious. Um, That's verse 16. Yeah. 
Um, so some scholars conject, Chris, that the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, laid eyes on Jesus. Paul was alive when Jesus was teaching in Jerusalem. Do you understand that? Paul was alive. Would Paul go to Jerusalem during the great festivals? Of course he would. Do you realize it's very possible and even probable that Saul the Pharisee may have been engaged in some of the dynamics on this puzzling person named Jesus and what are we going to do with this guy? Because he was, by the time you read Acts, Saul is infuriated against these Jesus followers. Where did he learn that? Where did he get that idea? So it is possible that Paul knew Jesus when he was alive. But he says, we don't know him that way any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. I want you to notice that there's some really interesting language of thing A is replaced by thing B. Okay? Thing A is replaced by thing B. A new thing happens. Watch this language. Um, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old passes away. The new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. What is that ministry? Well, Paul says, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world himself not counting their wrongdoings against, against them, and is committed to us the word of reconciliation. So that's, he uses that word a lot. I want to give you a new English word to try to, to guide your understanding of what this means. It's going to be something like this. Now, all of these things are from God who exchanged us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of exchanging things. Namely, that God was in Christ exchanging the world to himself, not counting their wrongdoings against them, and he has committed to us this word of exchanging. Do you understand? To reconcile means to literally make a change and lock it down, is what it means. Okay, And so Paul gives us the most beautiful and concise statement of the gospel of this exchange in verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What an exchange. Okay. So Allison, you're in Christ. Based on verse 21, how righteous are you? The righteousness of God is in you. So when I look at her, I'm looking at a righteous woman, right? Because she is in Christ. And if the love of Christ would control us, wow, to relate to people who share in the righteousness of God, that would be a beautiful thing. All right, you are the gifted body of Christ. I want you to, to look at this, 2 Corinthians 5, 11 to 21. All right, I want to pray over you, 
And then I'm going to task you with your responsibility to speak through your spiritual gifts, to speak God's word over us, to speak as though the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and through you on how you can literally instruct us to live out the life where we are controlled by his love and we live out this exchange of reconciled people and that God makes his appeals through us. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you so much. And I'm excited about what's about to happen. We need you. Would you please speak, Father? In your name, amen. All right, Christ Church. What would you say? How, how do we live this out? Knowing the fear of God, clear conscience, not recognizing people by appearances, not going down that path, being controlled by the love of Jesus. We're ambassadors. God has exchanged all your wrongs for all the rights of Jesus. What do you think? That's good, Brian. Yeah. Man, there's power in a clear conscience. There's just power and freedom. There's freedom in a clear conscience. Yeah. That's so good. Was it Mark Twain who said, uh, if you always tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory? That's great. There's freedom in that. He also said, telling the truth is like putting a match to a stick of dynamite, not knowing where you're going to end up. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, anybody else? And why this matters? And the difference this can make in our world today? How we live this out? Yeah, David. I'm going to paraphrase a story I heard about a, a minister. He had two young Christians with him. And he had them go up to the top of a building with him. 
And he told the two young Christians to look out and to look at all the people walking around. And what, and what did they see? And they're describing different things they were seeing. <coughs> Just, you know, day-to-day -day stuff. And they turn back and they look back in their ministry and he's crying. And they ask him, well, why are you crying? And he says, you know what I see? It's a lot of people lost. Mm -hmm. And they're going to hell. Yeah, yeah. And that's the difference. That's where he gives you a, a whole different heart, a new mm -hmm. creation. Mm -hmm. You don't see the world as the world sees it. But he sees people that are lost. Mm -hmm. That's so good, David. Yeah, and that's why Paul says, I beg you to be reconciled to God. Yeah, that's so good. Yes, Jenny's. I really like this verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. And he died for all, so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Mm -hmm. So when we accept him, it, it changes us. It, if we truly accept him, it can do nothing but change us. Yeah, that's so good, yeah. And with that, Janice, um, when we concern ourselves with self-control, right? We're controlled by the love of Christ, self-control. And we cease and desist from trying to control others. Man, life's a whole lot better, you know? It's just a whole lot better. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, someone else and why this matter? He was saying about being true to yourself. And um, I'm just looking at this verse 14, the love of Christ controls us. Mm. That we need to... We need to continue, even as the love of Christ controls us, to be true to the way he created us, to the gifts that he gave us. Because when I look at Paul's life, and um, you know, you, you hear the story of, of the Damascus Road, and Paul was totally transformed. He was, but not at the core of who God created him to be. I mean, God changed his motivation from hate to love. He changed his mission from killing people to bringing life to them. Paul was still a zealot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. His, and I think sometimes when we begin to define what does it look like to be controlled by the love of Christ, people like me <laughs> have a tendency to go, because I'm Absolutely. And it's yeah. going to look very different from the person with the gift of mercy. Yeah, Edie, that's so, so what? Did you guys see in the news the headlines of the couple? This is like a mom and dad and their two kids, and they're using the GPS, and it sends them down a route, and it didn't, uh, the app is not updated. It's been years since it's been updated. The bridge is out. Did you see this in the news? Yeah, and it killed like the kids and stuff. It's horrible. Because the GPS was telling him to go this way, and it was the way of certain death. And there's this, who's at fault for not getting that road information into the app where it says, warning, danger, danger, bridge out, don't go forward. Look at the headlines. It's a heartbreaking story. Edie, 
if you're really loving, you're going to scream, Burge out. You will be the prophet if you're loving. So, Stephen? Yeah, Jennifer Burgess online says, if the love of Christ is controlling us, that gives us strength and stability in our own lives to be able to reach out to others, to serve past our own ability. Yes. Jennifer, thank you. And it means so much to hear from you. Uh, you, are, you are a dear follower of Jesus. Thank you, Jennifer. Anybody else? Okay, quick counseling session. You ready? We've got, we've got a patient right here, right? There's our patient. There's the Christian. And that Christian is literally in bondage to, in trap, whatever lingo you want, into the old version of self. B.C., before Christ. Okay. The old creation and all the mess that went on. What are you going to tell this person? Because they seem to have this really pathogenic, pathological bent on locking into just how bad they really are and how awful, awful they really are. That they can't even enjoy healing and forgiveness and restoration. They can't enjoy the new life in Christ. What are you going to tell them? What are you going to say? Reconciliation means changed. Exchange, yeah. Change, exchange. It's a new life. Mm-hmm. You can, just as Jesus, when we receive Christ, we're born again, we get a new life. Mm-hmm. Our old life is left behind, which means we need to leave our old life behind and change our ways and follow Christ because his ways are his ways. Mm, it's so good. It's our own. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go so good. It's so good. And what could you say to the person that wants to hold on with their last ounce of strength to the old way. Even though they've, they've quote unquote given their heart to Jesus. They're still holding on that they're not good enough. How could God love them? What are you going to tell that person? Well, if God can forgive you, then who are you to say that God is wrong? Mm. So if God says it's clean, it's clean. God says it's dirty, it's dirty. Okay, that's good. So now you're forcing them. Hey, you got to make a choice. Get inside your head. Don't get out of your head. Get in it. Figure this out. God says you're born again. You're born again. Okay. New Christian. Your new client walks in. And they're, they're Christian, but they, they did something they really regret after conversion. And they're, they're, they're riddled with guilt. And they keep asking forgiveness for the same sin. I know in a crowd of this size, no one has ever done that. How many times do you ask to ask forgiveness for the same sin? <laughs> and they keep asking forgiveness for the same sin. I've got like an analogy in my head of kind of salvation and sanctification, if you will. And it kind of goes back to, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but Earlier in this passage, it talks about the Holy Spirit being a down payment yes. in your life. Yes. And so it's kind of like before Christ, you were homeless, you didn't have a home, you didn't have a place to stay. And then all of a sudden, you're able to purchase a home. And the down payment of like the Holy Spirit makes that your home, your dwelling. 
And regardless of whatever happens, that is your place, and you have that relationship because that's been transacted, it's finalized. Now, what happens to the house after that is kind of where you can grow. Because sure, there's going to always be a house project. There's going to be a leak. So you may have demoed a wall you shouldn't have, um, and you'll just constantly be exchanging to try to improve the house. And that's kind of what I think of as more of like a sanctification Oh, that's good. That's good. Thank you. Exchanging uh, the my wickedness for the righteousness of Jesus, and it switched out. Uh, quick pop quiz. You ready? Um, David, King David, in all that he did, you know the the sin of adultery, Bathsheba, murder that follows right on the heels of that one, and then other sins. It's like a domino effect, and there's there's several really really serious sins that all are spawned out of or in direct relationship to um, what happened with Bathsheba. And in his latter years, David gets the moniker over his life that says, the man after God's own heart. How in the world do you figure that? How did, how did you know, if God says it's clean, it's clean. So, okay, we're not going to argue with God. But why do you think God made the conclusion that this is a man after his own heart. Why? Could see his heart. What's that? Could see it? Could see his heart and knew what was in it. Yeah, that's so good, Lee. Keep going. There's more. He repented. Okay. Anything else? In his brokenness, he came to God. What's that, sir? In his brokenness, he came to God. In his brokenness, he came to God. That is so good, Ed. Put it at his feet. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You guys, you're, you're all getting at it. Took it to Jesus. He repented. God saw his heart. Yeah. Here's how I understand the story. That... That David had a faith that was so real, he had an internal core permission to move out of the place of shame to the place of celebration, to the place of joy. In other words, you ready? David was allowed himself to be happy again. It's okay to walk out the joy of the Lord. It's okay. In other words, he wasn't in such bondage to the worst mistakes a person can make. And this, I'm disqualified, I'm worthless, I'm a worm. Hell is a first-class upgrade for me, I'm so bad. You know, in this shame, beaten down way of life, David could laugh and jump and leap and worship and, and be happy. I think this is why, what's that? He knew God. He knew God to the point that when he was given the choice of the judgment of man or the judgment of God, he chose the judgment of God because he knew God was merciful. Yes, yes. There's something when we know our God, when we take the time to get to know him, that frees us to have a repentant heart without shame and guilt. Yes. To see what we've done, but to know that Yes, yes, that's so good, Edie. 
at the end? Oh, I'm sorry, someone else. Is that it? Okay, um, Janice? Well, God promises us, he promises us salvation, not perfection in right. his life. So right. So, so um, Christchurch, a childish way of handling our past is to stick our lip out and pout, okay, and mope around with our big lips sticking out, and then some of us engage in this speck in the eye kind of they become speck in the eye people and even though they ignore the the log and boy watch out for the speck finder because they're hard to live with you know they're just hard to live with and they pout and the lip is out and they become legal eagles and they're finding what's wrong and, and think their ministry is to expose wrong in others and ooh man it's hard to live with that's a childish way of doing life. When we put away childish things and we become a man, we move into grace, the love of Christ now controlling us, being happy. Being happy. <laughs> happy that when you catch a red light, you don't go, it's because I sinned. No, the lip comes out at that point. No, we begin to live out the grace and the love of, of God so that we can have the life that we were wanting in the first place. It's okay. We can become ambassadors. By the way, the word ambassador in Greek means to be old. It's like with the word prison. Presbyterian, Presbyteros comes in. We're old, experienced, and wise. We represent well. We're old representatives, Lee. Therefore, we are old veteran representatives for Christ. And it's as though he, God's talking through us. And so we beg you, take the exchange. Take it. You know what's behind door number one. It's worth it. Take it. <laughs> Don't live a life with your lips sticking out, dragging the ground, blaming God and others for your misery. Don't live that way. Don't live that way. Be like David and have a heart for God. Um, David. Also, this way, God doesn't get mad when you come to him and confess and retaliate and tell him. He loves yes. Yes. No shame. Yes. 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 Okay. Christchurch. Last question. How do you take? How do you make the exchange? What's faith? What is it? How do you experience the new birth? What do you do? 
Do you clean it before you take the bath? <laughs> no. Yeah, you receive it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There's the exchange that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. There's the exchange. Salvation happens in a moment, but then growing is eternal. That's part of what we're called to be disciple makers, yes. disciples, and then the Corinthians passage says the word is boast. And, and rarely do you hear you know, anything we're supposed to boast about. But in uh, Jeremiah, <coughs> You're going to brag. <laughs> he says, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let the, not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him be boast, boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in mm-hmm. earth. For these things I delight. Yeah, yeah. But he's put it there yeah. to say, come know me and boast. Yeah, yeah. That's, we've got to be growing. We've got to be, you know, and how long is it going to take to know everything about God he's offering? Yeah. Eternity. <laughs> yeah. Where can you start? Yeah, that's so goodly. Right <laughs> that little seed grows. The seed of conversion grows and overtakes the garden. It's the leaven that overtakes the lump. Absolutely so. All right, I want to pray over you. Um, Abba, Father, thank you for everyone that's here, how they have shared in our calling to be reconciled and to be reconcilers and encourage others to make the exchange. Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for Jennifer Burgess and her words of wisdom and grace. Uh, Abba, Father, we're going to sing songs to you right now, putting the love in our heart to word and melody as a way of saying we love you. Bless now, please. In Jesus' name, amen.